Hello and welcome to the Uactive Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Uactive's Agri-Food News team. This week, the final CAP vote, the soil strategy and antimicrobial resistance. So, Gerardo, I hear that something might be happening next week. Something may be interesting. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. You, your sources are, are good. As always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's finally the last um, Wait, are you going to sing it? One. Are you going to sing it? No, 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 no. What do you I mean, mean no? I, we, We're going to sing it uh, when uh, it's going to be signed and sealed. Okay. But yeah. Our loyal listeners know what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's also true that our loyal listeners could be a bit, I don't know, confused, no? Because, I mean, uh, they could say, oh, come on, I got your policy. But you say last November that there was an important vote at the European Parliament. So what are you talking about? Yeah, actually, mm. the, the vote in November 2020 was uh, on the position adopted by the parliament ahead of the the final negotiations to it's very complex i mean the legislative it's procedure so complicated it, it, every time i think it's coming to the end it's not there's always something around the corner except no it's true but it's also that's why it's difficult to cover eu um policies because there are mm. so many milestones in the legislative procedure uh, that you can uh, report on that uh, readers might be confused. So again, just to do a quick recap, in November 2020, the famous veggie burger vote, just to, just <laughs> to be, just to be Great clear. Great times. Um, I'm, I'm saying veggie burger because it was such a hype on on uh, the one tiny amendment dealing with the, the veggie burgers. What a time to be an agri-food reporter. Yeah, indeed, Honestly, indeed. it was absolute peak. It was everywhere. It was in the was BBC everywhere. and uh, Le Monde and so on. Um, and in that, in that moment, it was actually not even close to the, the the finishing line because it was again as i said the uh, adoption of the position that um, uh, parliament negotiators would have um, again it was like the um, the beginning of the end <laughs> yeah yeah the beginning of the end then there were the interinstitutional negotiations so basically european parliament the rapporteurs of the european parliament and the uh, member states represented first by uh, Germany, the German minister, and then by the Portuguese minister, uh, the, the rotating uh, presidency of the um, European Union. Which is a whole other story. <laughs> yeah, and, indeed, indeed. and then there was the final agreement, the final uh, compromise when they struck a deal. Uh, mm. Member States and European Parliament in uh, late June, if I remember correctly. Mm. And that wasn't the end, but it was really close to the end. Uh, then the minister, I think they approved the... Because when you reach an agreement, when the two lawmakers of the, uh, the European Union, so European Parliament and the European, uh, the Council of the European Union, when they reach an agreement, this agreement has to be finally endorsed by... Uh, their um, uh, respective uh, members, no? So in the case of the member states, the Agri-Fish Council, so the gathering of, of the EU ministers, EU agriculture ministers, 
and in the case of the European Parliament, the the, the member of the European Parliament. So uh, where we are, where we are at uh, at the final endorsement by the at the, the endorsement. final 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 <laughs> endorsement because I feel like we've said final final gap down about six times now. So any, any guess, uh, Tash, on how it will end? Oof, oof, good question. I mean, you know, I think in all likelihood we're going to go and uh, it's in Strasbourg as a vote, so I'm going next week. I think in all likelihood it's going to, after this long and lo- winding road all the way to this cap reform, um, the likelihood is that it's going to pass, right? Although there is definitely um, a bit of pushback. People are fighting right till the end. Um, the anti, <laughs> the anti-cap campaigners are fighting right to the, the end, tooth the, and nail. Our um, friends from the what was the name? The vote the the cap down. Vote no? the cap down. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're still holding on to hope. They're still, I think, even today, I received something. You know, urging MEPs to urging citizens to write to the MEPs to ask them. On to vote Friday, the they down. they're doing um uh, exactly. A rally. No, it's like a, a protest. Yeah, protest. Yeah. There's a Outside the, in, the parliament in Brussels. There's a protest in Brussels on Friday, and I think there's also a, um, a protest that's going to happen alongside uh, all the votes and everything in the plenary um, in Strasbourg next week. So, yeah, definitely not going down without a fight. Um, would it be enough to sway it? Yeah. Uh, mm. I think it's unlikely, but it would make my week in Strasbourg really interesting <laughs> if, if it That's did. That's true. Because, I mean, At the same time, though, I mean, wow, yeah. what what a what a monumental thing that would be yeah. if it didn't pass now. I mean, for uh, talking about the amount of energy and work that's gone into it, but also talking about for farmers who need to have some kind yeah. of certainty of something that's going to start in 2023. And, you know, if it was not to pass now, there's different schools of thought about this uh, but I mean if it was not to pass now that would be yeah a lot I mean it would keep us in a job for yeah. <laughs> a few more years oh I mean with strategic plans uh, As, yeah, no I, I'd say that these are the kind of votes that um, not that there are interesting to report on because I mean uh, it's more that you know they have some folklore component no they have protests and they have a very strong position. Uh, I expect, mm. for instance, in the debate, super uh, strong um, and yeah. scathing uh, accusation from the Greens uh, and yeah. uh, and the a strong, a solid defense from uh, uh, socialist uh, rapporteurs and so on. Mm-hmm. So um, that could actually, yeah. uh, it's interesting to follow that, to follow this kind of debate. Uh, for sure, you're not gonna get bored. <laughs> and uh, there was actually a, an an interesting um, conference this week hosted Who by was the European <laughs> Parliament. Um, Tell me more. No, I bet I mean, it was that, moderated by some great people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The I was there, of course. Uh, we were there. Uh, yeah, we were there. And uh, we basically moderated this conference um, on um, on what was it? Strategy plans, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there were three panels on uh, for each portions of the um, common agricultural policy. Uh, so basically, strategic plans, uh, common market organization, and horizontal regulation. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. We had some quite good feedback and because, I mean, they were also invited to speak um, representatives from national parliaments. Yeah, that was interesting because obviously in the in the push to make everything, you know, to to shift some of the responsibility from the EU to member states, it's, you know, it's becoming increasingly, it's always important, but it's becoming increasingly important to hear the perspective of member mm. states. So they had this kind of twinning kind of idea where you had one MEP speaking and then you had a couple of national parliamentarians speaking and then an MEP again. So you had the mix of the two mm. different viewpoints and it brought some really kind of interesting perspectives from different member states um, and a real range of member states as well. You know, because I think during my session, there were some from Sweden and mm. other sessions from Greece and from Italy and from all over the place. So definitely brought some interesting perspectives to the to the table um, yeah well particularly on the of course i mean the strategic plans are the uh, cornerstone of the entire common agricultural policy yeah uh, again it, it was recalled that there are two main uh, innovative features on one hand the shift from compliance system to result-based system in yeah. delivering the common agricultural policy objectives and on the other hand, the involvement of member states in planning the in planning or even evaluating the the common agricultural, common agricultural policy investments. And um, again, the huge challenge, this huge challenge, can cause a delay in the adoption of the strategic plans. Uh, we mm. recently reported on that. No? Mm -hmm. uh, there are some countries that are really struggling to meet the deadline, the end of the year deadline, deadline to present. Uh, the strategic plans, although at the end of the conference, uh, Wojciechowski seemed uh, the commissioner, the agriculture he commissioner. He had some interesting remarks, didn't he, at the end there? Mm, 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 mm. I, I, he expected in three months, he said three months, and then he said in a few months. Uh, the initial observations from the commission mm -hmm. on these the strategic plans, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, so, again, it's, it's not... It's not uh, something mandatory which is basically like an opinion from the commission on uh, what they receive but he said something interesting on uh, the possibility to uh, what was it the to, to reject about no? rejecting a plan yeah which is which is interesting because before we've reported um uh, i can't remember when it was a while ago now that actually i haven't heard him say that he would reject a plan um, to the contrary, when I asked him once about whether, whether he would reject a plan based on the fact that it didn't that it didn't fulfil enough of the Green Deal objectives and it wasn't closely aligned, aligned enough to the Green Deal, he said that you know he wouldn't reject a plan. Instead, he would want to work with member states and have dialogue and, and and kind of persuade them that way, you know, with the power of persuasion. Um, but during his intervention here in this in, uh, in this parliamentary hearing that we're talking about, he actually said he would reject a cap plan on the basis if if basically if uh, the funds were shifted too much from from small farmers so if mm. too much money or too many too much funding was taken from small farmers um or was restrict i think i think his words were you know funding was restricted to farmers then that would be enough for him to reject a strategic plan which is the first time i've heard him say you know that's my red line i that that's what would cause a rejection um, which is really interesting. So he he didn't agree. He didn't say that for the Green Deal alignment, but he did say it on restricting funds for small farmers. But we know that uh, Wojciechowski magic ward is a small farmer. Come on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. But it's an interesting. It's an interesting uh, comparison. 
you know, where, where it's interesting to see where the priorities lie here for the commissioner. Absolutely. And also, I mean, uh, another thing that was um, uh, recalled during the, the conference at the European Parliament by many members of national parliaments is that actually farmers must be at the center of this um, yeah. uh, the implementation. No, Because, I mean, mm-hmm. we often speak about the EU lawmakers and, and the role of administrations, no? Yeah. Uh, actually, one, one very interesting uh, thing um, that has been said was uh, was coming from uh, Eric Andrio, one of the rapporteurs mm. of the the common market of, of the common agricultural policy. It's basically the common market uh, uh, organization file, and he said something uh, like, uh, "Searching plants sh- must shouldn't be just administrative um, uh, administrative uh, tasks or administrative uh, uh, tests. There must be." Uh, strategic, you know, uh, basically they they need to reach some name. kind of a strategic <laughs> strategical um, strategically important goal mm. in uh, the transition. No? And it was actually endorsed the, the, this approach by Wojciechowski in the end. Yeah. So stay tuned to see All the of outcome. Our coverage. Our yes. coverage. Uh, Natasha will be there in Strasbourg together with our um, colleague Magdalena. Um, they're gonna bring us, including me, uh, <laughs> all all the news from uh, the Berg, from Strasbourg. But the news this week's not all a focus on the cat, because this week um, also saw the unveiling of the EU soil strategy, um, which is very exciting. Because as everyone who knows me knows, <laughs> I'm I think I would say I'm fairly. A soil. I was trying to think of a word for pa- like passionate, but we're going with S. A soil, a soil enthusiast. Let's go with soil enthusiast. Anyway, so the EU unveiled its soil strategy this week, which outlined plans for a uh, soil health law by 2023, which is designed to bring soil on the same legal footing as air and water. Um, so that's interesting because you know, so this strategy is basically trying to offer an overarching policy framework at the EU level for soil restoration, for assessing the status of soils. Um, and taking action against degradation. Um, so yeah, this introduction of the EU soil law by 2023 is going to be fairly revolutionary, depending how it all pans out. Obviously, there's a lot that can you know change between now and then. But basically, if this is backed by the European Parliament and member states, this will become the first EU-wide law protecting soil. So there was actually an attempt a little while ago, what was it, 10 years ago? After several attempts. Yeah, there was several attempts because you, you know more about this, Gerardo. There was, there was uh, about 10 years ago, there was an attempt at creating this, which got blocked, right? 10 years ago, yeah, there was the attempt from the former, former environmental commissioner, uh, Potocnik, Yanis uh, mm. Potocnik. Uh, the commission at the time, they tried to... Uh, create this EU-wide legal framework for for soil protection, and it was scrapped by uh, mm. national governments. I mean, it's not that common right now um, that uh, the Commission uh, lose, <laughs> let's say, um, the the battle with the uh, European Parliament with or, States. or with the. the oh, uh, yeah. but actually, five, five, uh, six, seven years ago, it was quite not was quite common, but it could happen that basically uh, something will, you know, was rejected when it, when it arrived at mm. uh, 
at uh, that's why there, there are some topics like soil but even like for instance the uh, nutritional labeling you know mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. they're not really new and it's every time uh, you <laughs> you touch on these uh, topics you basically um it seems like something that it's uh it's in the air and you already know something about it and that's because Opening they're all <laughs> dossiers abandoned from from the from the past you know it's not like mm. car- carbon farming okay it's something it's not new of course but i mean it's something that they're trying to to deal with that uh, right now no but mm. mm-hmm. soil protection has always been one of the um, the main objective from now main objective from the commission but i mean something that they the commission it's been a priority yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the same again or been an nutrition. aspiration guess, yeah, yeah 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 so um, let's see if this time will uh, will work and actually um environment commissioner virginia sinkevich was was asked um during a press conference this week uh about you know, about the fact that there were previous failed attempts and, you know, w- what makes it different this time, basically. Um, and he was he was quite positive. He was saying, you know, that it's to, right now is a completely different situation, a completely different political landscape. Um, he was saying the commission had taken a lot of pains to engage with all stakeholders this time. And he sees that the outcome, uh, well, he's very, very hopeful, I suppose, that the outcome this time is going to be um, really different. And this, uh, so the strategy was, I would say, quite widely welcomed Um, obviously some stakeholders expressed some concerns but was widely welcomed Um, and actually we spoke with one such um, stakeholder we spoke with MEP Martin Halsic to hear his reaction to the strategy. Of course I would like to see the proposal on the table yesterday so to say because uh, we cannot permit ourselves to postpone this file. Our short-term actions require long-term thinking and this is the case of the soils, um, and that's where I think we need to act fast. At the same time, I understand that the Commission needs sufficient time to prepare this. Uh, just a year ago, Commission didn't even want to admit that uh, they'll be tabling such a proposal, so it is a step forward. But I believe that the 2023, especially the first half of 2023, needs to be the hard deadline. Any additional delay would be loudly protested and uh, uh, pushed against by us, members of the parliament. Uh, Has the commission listened to the parliament? Well, I think the step forward from this commission that they are ready to, and they committed themselves to tabling the soil health law is a sign that they listen, at least in this case. Now, it's not certainly always the case, but uh, here... I believe that we have a grounds for a cautious optimism. From the substance of the strategy, I have to say that I would like to see a strong and firmer commitment for the legal base of uh, Lucas. We know it's important. Uh, we need to be, it needs to be an integral part of the strategy uh, in the long term. And uh, also, I would prefer more precise wording regarding objectives, conditions, funding, and other elements it's a bit still too wake. Now, in the summary, the solar strategy, it is good and important step forward, but let's not forget, this is only a strategy. This is not legally binding text. So it's a starting point. We really need to watch for the commission, at the commission, what are going to be the future activities. 
activities, how the strategy is going to be implemented, and how, at the end of the day, will help ourselves. Also through a soul framework, legal soul framework that we desperately need in Europe. And on Thursday, um, the World Antimicrobial Awareness Week started. Uh, it's going to last until the 24th of November, and it's uh, a WHO Awareness Week uh, that will focus on spreading awareness about the threat of antimicrobial resistance, which has been labeled as, the, uh, as a silent uh, threat, basically. Um, consider that AMR, antimicrobial resistance, claims uh, 33,000 um, lives in the EU every year and is also responsible for an annual economic loss estimated at around 1.5 billion of euros. And, uh, and it, it is expected to become a bigger killer than cancer by 2050. And last week we had an interview for the health brief, the, the sister of, of the agri-food brief, uh, which I, I, I now, if you're not subscribed subscribed to the health brief yet, uh, a good go plug on. there, Gerardo. Well done. So we had we had this interview with uh, Marta Hugas, who's the chief scientist of the uh, EU's food safety agency, and uh, we talk about the antimicrobial resistance. Let's hear what uh, what is our take on From that. a scientific perspective, we know what is needed. Uh, we had an opinion some years ago together with uh, the medicines agency uh, that the, 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 we could say the three lines of defense are reducing, reducing the use of antimicrobials in food producing animals, replacing, replacing them with other um, possible compounds, organic acid, probiotics. So replace the way we treat uh, these infections, and also rethinking, rethinking the livestock production system, which is crucial for the future of animal and public health. So that was called the RONAFA opinion, and that was clear from science perspective what could be done. But there is no size fits all, and successful strategies follow an integrated multifaceted approach, which considers the local livestock production system and involves also relevant stakeholders but also needs to be considered at a global level because then we trade animals from other places and we might also trade resistance. Uh, we also travel from one place to the other. And that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euractive Agri-Food podcast was produced by Euractive's Agri-Food news team. That's Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Foot, with the help of our podcast producer, Evie Curie. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms. That's Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. Thanks for being with us today and uh, see you next week. Mm-hmm.